Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 82, week 82, volume 82, number fucking 82. Hang on, guys. How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Jamie from I Declare War. That will be coming up later in the show. So let's kick things off like we do every week. That's with our questions, feedback, what's been going on segment. And this week, we got two ratings and reviews through iTunes. The first one comes from Devil's Weapon from Canada. It's five out of five, and it says, I enjoy the questions asked that no one else asks. Also enjoy Pick Your Poison questions which make you laugh. Great podcast. Fuck yeah, Devil's Weapon. Thank you for the rating and review. Thank you for the love. Really, really appreciate it. Stoked you enjoy what we do. Stick with us. A lot of great things on the way. We also heard from Nick Alves6847 from Canada also, and he gives us a 5 out of 5, and it says, you get some serious stuff, you get some stuff you can laugh with, great podcast, keep up the good work. Nick, you fucking legend, thank you so much, dude. Absolutely pumped you enjoy what we do. And thank you for getting into us and sticking with us. Also, like I said with Devil's Weapon, And a big appreciation for the rating and review, Nick. So now's the time where I remind the rest of you, if you haven't given us a rating and review, now's your chance. Only takes about a minute, maybe two of the tops. Get onto iTunes, give us a one star or five star, whatever you feel is deemed worthy. Also, write a little sentence or two about what you enjoy or not enjoy about the podcast. All of it is vital feedback and all of it goes towards an algorithm that gets our show out to more listeners. So thank you again, Devil's Weapon and Nick Alves. Thank you so very much for your ratings and reviews this week. Enough of my ramblings. Let's get into the big part of the show. Let's get into our Mosh interview. This week, I got to sit down with Jamie from I Declare War and stoked we smashed out an absolute outstanding interview Got to say, first off, thank you, Jamie, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. I think the chat was a great insight into the man, the band, and things that maybe some people don't realize. Things like if you're trolling someone on the internet, what it can do and the effect it can have. So thank you again, Jamie, for taking time out for the show. That chat with Jamie is coming up now. I always kind of start off with, uh, do you remember an artist, not necessarily a heavy artist, but do you remember an artist that opened your world to music being a thing? Um, I think uh, like the initial, the initial group of guys that really opened me up were, you know, guys like Ozzy Osbourne and, uh, my first CDs that I ever got were, I got three CDs. There used to be this thing where you get like 10 CDs for like a, like 99 cents or something like that. Like 20, 25, 30 years ago. Um, and, uh, the three CDs I got were, uh, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. Nirvana, Nevermind. And, uh, one other one, but the two that I really that really stuck with me were 
Nirvana and Black Sabbath. So I just, you know, that, that kind of like catapulted me into music and like specifically into rock music. Now, did so you I started out there? I, I remember that service as well, but did you select those three or was it kind of just a random, you looked at the artwork and you're like, that looks pretty cool? Or how did you stumble across those three as your kind of first three into music? Well, uh, the, fir- the, the very, the, the very first person that, sh- that kind of introduced me to rock music was this kid that lived down the street from me. Uh, he was probably four or five years older than me, so it was a little unusual that he was hanging out with me in the first place. But he was a little bit older, so he, he was a little bit more versed in like rock music. Um, but uh, he showed me uh, Nirvana. He might have even showed me Marilyn Manson. Oh. Uh, yeah, and a uh, couple other things, but... Uh, I remember him talking about Nirvana, and so I was like, "Okay, I'll get this one." And then uh, Sabbath Play Sabbath, the, the cover was just so cool, so I figured I'd give that one a shot. And uh, yeah, and uh, I God, I, I want to say he might even showed me like Nine Inch Nails. Oof. So it was just like a lot of really, there's a lot of really heavy, heavy stuff to start out with, especially when you know, yeah, I was probably seven maybe six or seven years old at the time. So I was probably a first or second grader and listening to just this like really extreme stuff, at least for the time, you know, what, what about that kind of stuff drew you in? Was it the fact that, you know, maybe was he a bit of a cooler kid and you thought, well, you know, if he's into it, there's got to be something good with it. Or was there something in the music that drew you in like the energy, the intensity? I mean, he was he was older than me, and I think just naturally, when you're dealing with anybody that's older than you, especially when you're that age, you're so young. It, people people older than you are just naturally going to be influential. At least that's how I, you know, I grew up. Uh, I looked up to the to the older kids, and I I kind of watched what they did to kind of see if I could mimic it. I liked, I, I guess, I kind of liked being a step ahead. But uh, yeah, you know, I. When I when I heard those those songs, I had a, actually a pretty nice sound system in my room when I was a kid. At least I remember it being nice. And um, uh, it just like uh, it, it immediately hit because I you know my my mom she was into like country music and stuff like that. So I, I had no real pref or no real reference of this, this other genre of music that was happening. And then you hear it for the first time and you either love it or you hate it. I, I, I don't think there's any real way around that. And, uh, man, I, I just, I, I fell in love with it instantly and I never looked back. And then what was the kind of artist that, you know, I'm not saying they're not heavy, but I had kind of the same experience growing up. You know, there was those bands that kind of get you into the hard rock heavier styles, but what was the band that really, you know, opened you up to extreme, savagely heavy music. Was there one band that really yeah. opened you? Well, uh, probably seventh or eighth grade. Uh, I'm, th- I'm 32 now, so yeah, seventh or eighth grade, I, I imagine. Uh, actually, I'm 31. Yeah, I'm 31. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Gonna check I, how old you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesus, uh, I, I I heard Slipknot for the first time. I think that was probably 
my introduction into like screaming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then it, it within within a, like a year, I was listening to a lot more extreme stuff. I guess you could say. I grew up right in the era when Solid State Records was just like putting out absolute gold and Truck Kill Records and uh, you know Metal Blade. They were all just putting out these just like monsters in in heavy music. So I started out with Slipknot, and then within you know a year, I was listening to uh, Eighteen Visions, Norma Jean. Um, Cannibal Corpse, Unearth, like all these bands were all kind of like around the same time. Obviously, Cannibal Corpse had been around for quite a lot, lot longer than that, but I hadn't been introduced to it until all that stuff all came out, or until I heard that stuff for the first time. And I just fell in love with it all really fast. And that was right around when uh, like uh, like MP3 sites mm. We're starting to really get big too, so I could dig through those sites too. There was something called HXC MP3, you know. So I found like uh, like the metalcore stuff that I was really into, and then you know, pure volume and stuff like that. So I was searching, you know, like finding out different genres of stuff, uh, like subgenres, and finding out okay, so there's this thing called death metal, and there's this thing called metalcore, and I heard about this thing called black metal. So I was kind of just like going through stuff and like searching broad range sort of sort of deals where uh, I would find, you know, a couple black metal bands that I like or a couple death metal bands that I like. And I, I would, you know, like figure out the sounds that I was really into. And then I would go, you know, find their CDs at a Hot Topic because at the time Hot Topic still sold CDs, you know, and I'd look through their thank yous or I'd find them in magazines and I'd see what band shirts they're wearing. and uh, I, you know, would search their, the bands that they were wearing or the bands that they were thanking in the CD booklets and stuff like that. And, uh, I would, I would dig through their stuff too. And it just kind of became like this, like giant, almost like algorithm of like, okay, I start here and just kind of make my way through and I'm finding bands as I go. And, but, uh, back to the initial, like, I think I probably started out with like, you know, the basics when around my era was like Slipknot was the first real extreme thing that I heard. <clears throat> uh, Mudvayne was starting to get pretty big. And then, you know, within six months I was listening to like Cannibal Corpse and stuff yeah, like that. So. You, you sound like you were um, a bit of a sponge. Like you, you got into it and then you couldn't get enough of it. It was just whatever you found would satisfy you, but then it would launch you onto the next thing. Um, quite an exciting time for you with discovering music. So what, yeah. what was it like for you um, growing up? Was was music um, kind of emphasized as an important part of life? You, you said your mum was listening to country music, but was, was music considered a thing, you know, like a career when you were growing up? No. Uh, it, uh, I was actually, I grew up, it was it was pretty frowned upon to be told that I, I didn't grow up in like a you know a strict religious family. I just grew up in a family that was I mean, we we put a lot of emphasis on sports and stuff like that. So I wasn't really even allowed to be in like band, for example. Like I, I grew up an athlete, so um, music was kind of something that my my mom 
sort of didn't she didn't necessarily frown upon, but uh, she was she thought that it was probably not the best idea that I put too much interest in it, mm. and I focus on my sports because I was a pretty I was a pretty active kid, and I, I have a feeling that's probably a major reason why I I really really appreciated music as much as I I did and still do is because I it was almost like a rebellion, mm. you know. I wasn't allowed to to uh, listen to uh, you know unapproved music a lot of the time, so I would have to sneak away and listen to it or find it and stuff like that and uh, hide it. And uh, I think that almost made it more exciting for me initially. And then as I got older, you know, I could get away and I uh, I could I could stash away my CDs and stuff like that. And, uh, listen to them on my own. It wasn't like around the house where I had to kind of uh, have my have my mom around uh, hearing what I was doing all the time. You know what I mean? So uh, it uh, it made it uh, it made it kind of exciting. And I think that's yeah, it's probably a big reason why I just I really like appreciated uh, finding something new, something different. Yeah, and it's part of it is also the the ownership of it that you know that this is yours, and other people mightn't accept it, but this is yours, and no one can take that away from you. They might say it's wrong for you, but they can't actually take away your love of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like I I still you know I, I still really appreciate I almost appreciate what she did because it it, it I I feel like it really made me really love just like music in general. I still listen to uh, the first couple records that I ever got, you know, like I still listen to Black Sabbath. I still listen to Nirvana and stuff like that because it's just so, it's so time tested. And it's also just something where it opened me up. You know what I mean? I'd never, I'd never heard anything like this before. I just loved it so much the first time I heard it that I could never not, you know, not appreciate it. And what was what was the high school life for you like? I mean, you're saying in there that sport was kind of a big thing you were into. So, you know, kind of a two-sided question with that was if this kind of music was kind of seen as a bit rebellious, did you identify yourself as kind of an alternative metal kid at school? And then the other part of it was um, at school, did you ever think that, if you looked down the track, you would be a vocalist in a band. Was it ever an insight into your mind that I will one day give this a go? Yeah. I mean, so seventh, eighth grade, I started really, there was no real way getting around it. I I knew that I was, I I was going to be interested in music for the rest of my life. Uh, My, my buddies had already started a rock band, uh, buddies that I still have to this day, uh, they had, they had started a rock band and I was showing interest in that. And I was, you know, playing sports and I had always gotten along with everybody. And I, I throughout high school, I, I was actually kind of feel like I was kind of one of those kids that was able to like slide into all the different groups, maybe be because I played sports throughout all, all of high school, but I also listened to, you know, heavy music and had like a daily group of guys that were like my group of guys that, that we all hung out with and we were all into the same music and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we kind of just, uh, we clicked and, 
uh, I started playing in bands probably my freshman. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it over For, there, but grade grade nine, I yeah, started playing yeah. in a band, and uh, that was my first year of high school. And throughout high school, I basically had uh, some sort of a band going on. And then uh, within my last year of high school, I think it was my last year of high school, I joined uh, Those Who Lie Beneath. Um, and, you know, within maybe six months to a year of me being in that band, we were, a, you know, a signed band on a, on a record label. Um, and I, you know, it, it pretty much just like flew from there, you know, started and, and, and ran with it. And I, you know, I, there was no, there was no way not to, you know, you were given this opportunity at such a young age. You gotta, you gotta take it. Yeah. And and definitely at a young age, but when you're at a young age, did you contemplate picking up an instrument or what, what was the reason behind, I want to be a vocalist or was it more of a case of, uh, I can't really play the drums. So I'll give this a go instead. I kind of, I guess I just kind of fell into it. I, I, I would, I still to this day, I really wish I would have took more time learning how to play guitar specifically because now I wish I could play guitar in some sort of a band. But uh, I, I, I would pick up the, the bass occasionally or pick up the drums occasionally. And I was, I was, uh, I guess I could have figured it out pretty quick just cause I was pretty coordinated, but, uh, there was also a drummer, uh, in my group. There was also a bass player in my group and a couple guitar players in my group, but there wasn't really a singer in my group of buddies. So, you know, I just kind of fell into being the singer guy and, uh, it just, it worked out um, really quite day, well. I think it's, I still, yeah, it's worked out really quite what? well. It's worked out well for yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I just uh, definitely still wish that uh, I would have taken more time or had had the opportunity to learn how to play guitar because I think that you know that's as far as like a life a life skill. You can play guitar until you're dead. I don't really feel like you can fart into a microphone until you're dead you know there's there's a there's a a bit of a an age limit on that stuff well, as far as your voice goes you know with your voice um looking at it going back to when you're starting out compared to now um how were you learning to develop your voice or were you not learning were you just kind of winging it and just kind of screaming until it hurt uh, so yeah, I, I, I have a handful of guys that were like my favorites. Um, I really liked, there was this band called Hates the Day. Ooh. I really liked the way that that guy's, uh, high vocals were. So I, you know, him or that guy, uh, I like that band Zayo. So I liked his, his high, high range stuff. And then, you know, I liked Corpse Grinder and, uh, Brandon Chappetti guys like that they they were they were really important for me uh at a at a at a low range so i kind of just started out by mimicking those guys and i got comfortable with kind of the way that they sounded but i knew i wasn't going to be able to get to their levels or you know do the exact same thing that they did so i kind of tried to find my own sort of deal 
Um, and you know, I did that for four or five years. And then finally I came across, the uh, a buddy of mine who I'm actually still in a, in a band with today, a side project. I mean, he, he introduced me to, uh, the Zen of screaming by Melissa Cross. Mm. And it kind of helped me to, uh, to, uh, you know, I, I never warmed up before. So, you know, the first five or so years that I was doing this stuff, I was just going until I was shot and, you know, I would, I would scream until my, my voice wouldn't let me. And then, you know, you learn how to use your diaphragm from that, from that warm up, and you learn how to actually physically warm your voice up so it doesn't go as fast. And I think stuff like that really, really benefited me in the long run because I could go longer. I had more range. Um, my diaphragm, I was actually using my diaphragm so I could, I could like project harder without burning myself out stuff like that really really benefits benefited me in the long run i think it could benefit a lot of people even still you know that are that are starting the stuff starting with the stuff you know yeah it it is kind of you know it's funny that you're now treating it like an instrument um which is what it is in many senses the way when you're doing it in the way you do it um, because For sure. was there times in the early stage that, you know, you said you went until you couldn't go anymore, but were you losing your voice at the start in the early years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, when, when you're initially doing it, it's, it's like nothing that you've ever done before. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Aside from getting into like a shouting match with a, with a friend or, your parents or something like that. I don't think there's ever a time where you're going to sit and scream at somebody or something for uh, a half hour to 45 minutes at a time. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's horrible on your, on your, on your voice. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, when, when you're doing that stuff for the first, you know, year or so, like it can, it can really burn you out. So until you kind of, I guess a lot of people say you get, you get the callus, uh, over your, over your vocal cords, it can, uh, it can really, you know, beat your, beat your voice up. So, uh, yeah, you know, learning how to do it as you learning how to use it as an instrument and treating it like an instrument is super important because, you know, eventually those you know, yelling and screaming with, uh, with no sort of, uh, uh, warm up or, or any sort of, uh, technique you know, measure to like take care of yourself is going to catch up with you. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, thank God I did it that way. Cause I can, I can still do it to this day. I would say as well as I was doing it, you know, 10 years ago, you know, yeah, it, it it is important for longevity, um, and you can yeah. see that some people. There's been many documented artists who have had to have surgery because obviously yeah. they haven't learnt how to do warm ups and kind of technique and things like that. Um, I want to go back to the band that I first discovered you in, um, and you mentioned earlier those who lie beneath. Um, yeah. How did, you know, you're in a band there, you said earlier, you know, that was kicking around at high school. How did the initial 
link up and come together of that band happen for you? Sure. Yeah. So um, I started. I was I was in a local band, not related to uh, the the later California acts that got big, called uh, Stickier Guns. Ooh. We were just a local. We were just a local group, and uh, we, I guess, generated some popularity throughout the city within our small scene of of people of you know other metalheads and. Uh, those Lebanese, pre, those Lebanese were in a different band, and uh, they lost their singer. And I had generated, you know, some popularity personally, just as a as a good front man in the town. And uh, I got asked, uh, you know, right as they were finding out that they were going to lose this guy, uh, if I would like to uh, sing for them. And uh, you know, I, I went in and did a to try out and uh it all kind of worked out and it started out kind of just as a like a local a local deal but at the time we were you know there wasn't these brain drills out there beneath the maskers out there we were just playing you know blast beats and sweep arpeggios and stuff like that and people were just absolutely mind blown so we were kind of ahead of ahead of the curve on a lot of that stuff yeah so, uh, you we, guys we were pretty you guys were definitely ahead of the curve because, you know, you were also at that time when that debut album came out and Awakening picked up by Metal Blade. Yeah. So, some... Um, so, no, we, got, we, we, were, uh, we were picked up by Rise Records. Oh, see, I thought it was Metal Blade. That's my bad. Um, well, so I honestly, Metal Blade is, uh, is a huge influence on my life, so I think that that would have been super cool. A uh, little backstory on uh, the the record signing. Um, so I I grew up playing shows around Portland, and I grew up with this band called American Me, and uh, they actually ended up they signed to uh, Rise as well, uh, which you know at the time was signing bands like Devil Wears Prada and uh, of Mice and Men and stuff like that. Um, not exactly you know, my cup of tea, but <laughs> Tony, Tony's a good, uh, he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, he pitched my, those or uh, those live in East to Craig, who was the owner who lived in Portland and still lives in Portland to this day. And, uh, we set up a show where American me and those live in East played together. Craig came out and basically wanted to sign us on the spot. And, you know, initially it was like, yes, let's do this. And then we kind of all had to be like, okay, let's pump our brakes a little bit. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's take this, this, uh, record contract to a lawyer, you know, da, 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 da. you know, within two weeks, the lawyer kind of said like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a record deal, whatever, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, within two weeks we were signed to rise and, um, basically just took off from there, you know? That's got to be quite mind-blowing for you at that young age to gain a contract so early in the band's, you know, career. It, it's got to set a bit of expectation um, on you guys. Were, were you guys nervous about being suddenly signed to a label or were you just like, we're going to own this, we're going to crush this? Oh, sure. I mean, we were we were terrified. We were children, you know. I... It, there's no way around it. You know, we, 
we had played maybe four shows outside of our city ever at that point. So it was scary, but we were excited and we felt like we were doing something that was at least interesting. So we, uh, we just jumped in and we went for it and we really tried to commit to our craft. You know, we, we weren't, we weren't bullshitting. We, we practiced five days a week because we wanted to be the tightest band, uh, performing, on any tour we were on and we treated it like a job and it was a a very financially unstable job at the time, but, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a job nonetheless. And I think that it really, it paid off for my work ethic in the long run. And, you know, uh, all the other members that went on the tour and and do their stuff, uh, in other bands, uh, I think it's paid off for them too, because it seems like everybody that was, in that band at some point or another has this just like exceptional work ethic, um, as far as, um, you know, being a musician goes. And it was about, I think it was about a year or so after that album, I think you were announced that you joined, I declare, um, what happened in that period? Was it a case of those who lie beneath was kind of not going to keep going enough or was it, too good of an opportunity to turn down to not join I Declare War. Because I Declare War, at that stage, I think they were on their third album and had just been released. I think they were starting to create a bit of attention. Yeah, so uh, it was it was probably it was probably a little closer, like two and a half years okay. after, uh, yeah, after that, that uh, we started. We we didn't really we didn't really necessarily fall apart I'd say we just we had a lot of just like issue we were we were like I was saying earlier we were just so hard on each other I don't know how else to put it (laughs) we 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 pushed ourselves so hard that tension would grow so so heavily and um you know it it was it was stressful and I'm, I'm you know we're all good friends now separately from from band stuff and but uh it was it's just stressful when you're you know pushing yourself as hard as we were and especially you know I don't want to make it all about money but when you're fucking broke and you're doing it uh at a full-time level the way that we were do doing it and you know trying to balance uh at the time full-time job and uh tour full time so it was just it was exhausting and it was tense and uh i get a phone call uh you know after a fairly mediocre i'd say tour that we had just done uh for the opportunity to uh fill in for i declare war and um initially i was a little hesitant just because I was so dead set on, you know, keeping, keeping everything, you know, priority number one with those live and east. And, um, you know, I, I, I reluctantly said that I would do it after I found out that I wouldn't have to do the full tour. Um, and, uh, I, I went out, I flew out to Florida for my first dates and I did 10 days with them. And within those 10 days, I really, I, I hit it off with the guys that were in the band at the time. And, um, they told me that their next 
two tours that they were going to be doing were with uh, Whitechapel and Acacia Strain. And Whitechapel at the time was a was a favorite of mine. And Acacia Strain, you know, still still to this day and and was at the time one of my absolute favorite all time not only heavy bands but bands in general. So I knew that I I, I had to. Uh, stick around and they were kind of pushing me like hey you know if we keep you on for these next two tours these are huge tours for us i i definitely would like you know they would like to know uh are you going to become a full-time member and i kind of was hesitant at first and you know midway through that first run we did with Whitechapel, i just uh i saw the potential that was that was coming out of this band and the guys that I was working with, I, I, you know, I, I got along with them really well. It was, you know, it was a lot of fun and it seemed like they had a good team behind them at the time. And, uh, artery razor and tie seemed to give a shit. And so, uh, I just committed to it and kind of just went from there. And it was, it was, a it was a shot, shot in the dark, but you know, I, I think it's really worked out over the long haul, you know? Yeah, but it is a big, it is a big decision to make because, like you said, you kind of, you left your baby in many ways, those who lie beneath, and then yeah. shift into this, you know, new realm, new environment, and everything. Um, was were you worried? Um, obviously, that it wouldn't pan out, but were you worried that in any ways um, the guys from those who lie beneath would, you know, hold it against you because? The band really kind of, you know, dissipated after that, um, or was the writing on the wall for it anyway? Yeah, I mean, so I was, I was terrified. I there's no way around it. Um, I was absolutely terrified. But what I guess I didn't tell you earlier was um, after that uh, last, you know, fairly dismal tour that we had done uh, with those Lebanese, um, uh, our 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 drummer who had quit the band at that point, three, three times already, uh, <laughs> three times he quit again. <laughs> yeah. We, we just kept bringing him back. He's a, he's a great guy. He just, you know, at that, at that point in time, he was very, uh, he was reluctant to tour full time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, uh, the, an original guitar player who, you know, I had started the band with was quitting the band because he he was kind of realizing that uh, touring full time wasn't exactly his thing anymore, and we were very you know we were very strict on what we were doing. So we were touring full time, and it was just it was a lot of work. So I was basically down to uh, uh, Kyle and uh, Adam, who actually went on to. Uh, Start a different band called Vitriol uh, oh, yeah. several years down the road. That is, keep an eye out for those guys. They're it's. I think it's genuinely like uh, not trying to toot their own horn. I think it's like revolutionary for death metal. Ooh. But uh, yeah, so so basically, you know, uh, the, the writing was sort of on the wall, and I was kind of I was him hawing around it because I really wanted to keep going. And I, you know, I said, dude, I, you know, I'd really like to do both. And it was kind of almost, it wasn't like necessarily an ultimatum, but, uh, it was, uh, you know, I declare war had a pretty full schedule set up for that year. And, um, 
I I couldn't turn it down because you know already we were we were generating buzz and the tours were great and I never thought that you know actually making a we didn't make a lot of money but you know making a little bit of money on tour was an option until I had been in that band and I just saw all this all these all this writing on the wall and I just I couldn't I couldn't turn it down you know. Yeah, and I mean, as you said, in the long term, I think it's worked out. And the first thing you did that was um, on record on recording was the self-titled album. Um, how yep. was that received for you uh, guys at the time? And then the other part of it, um, how did it feel for you um, coming in into a band that already had a couple of releases? and probably had a bit of a following that were probably very particular on those releases, and then you're trying to make your own mark in the band. Like, was it accepted by the yeah. overall fan base? So, I... This is kind of funny. I, I call myself basically the, uh, you know... The, I'm, the, I'm the Deathcore Corpse Grinder. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm the second singer... Mm-hmm of what was already a, a fairly established popular band. So I came in and I had to deal with some bullshit. And, uh, you know, still to this day, I hear some bullshit. But, you know, when it really boils down to it, um, I think that that first record speaks for itself. I think that I, I put out an exceptional product. Um, if you want to stand it alone from the old stuff, that's fine by me. I I respect your opinion as a as a person, but uh, I I genuinely feel like that that first thing that I put out was as good, if not better, than anything that they had had ever put out in the past with their uh, their old singer. And uh, you know, it's just it, it is what it is. You know, it's it's hard to change somebody's opinion, especially when it comes to music, which is so it's so uh, personal mm. for, for somebody. So, you know, when, when you're telling somebody, Hey, this is the new guy for your, for your favorite thing. Um, you know, hope you like it. It's, it's going to be a crapshoot whether or not they like it. And I, you know, over the long run, I think I've won most people over, but occasionally you still hear stuff and it's, it, I, it's, there's no denying it's, it hurts. That stuff, that stuff bothers me. It's not going to not ever bother me. But at the same time, I just kind of got to go on with it, man. I, you know, I, I, I do, I put out the best product that I possibly can. I take so much pride in this stuff. And, you know, 10 years in now with this band, I, I genuinely feel like I have established myself as this being my band. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can and, say whatever you want to say, but it, this is this is my thing, my life that yeah. I put into this. So at this point, you know, we're a DIY band. Mm. Like we, I, I got off of a record label. I got us off of a record label. I got us out, out of a management uh, company. Uh, we left a booking agency, and so basically, I do everything for this band on top of you know singing, performing, doing all that jazz. So literally this band is my life. Like this is the only thing that I care about. Not the only thing that I care about, but you know, it's, it's, 
it's one of the most important things that I do, period. So for anybody to say that, you know, fuck that guy or, you know, he doesn't give a shit anymore or something like, you know, whatever people say, I, I can truly tell you 100% without question that I care about this more than anybody could ever imagine. And, yeah, uh, and I think I think it's it is a weird thing that I don't think you know people that are going to say something negative probably truly understand is you've come into this with already some pressure and expectation that you want to do your best job. You're not going to come into the band when you did and just be like, "Nah, fuck it, I'm just going to do a subpar performance." You're always going to come in and give your all, and then not only that, but um, they can have their opinion, but I think it's also just unfortunately part of heavy music. People feel the need to bash down something they don't like. I don't hear a lot of people that yeah. like, you know, if they like pop music, they bash on a pop artist they don't like or a pop artist that's changed. It's only in heavy music we seem to do this. Yeah, I I don't get it, man. Like, I guess I just don't have that that sort of sort of issue in general Mm. i i don't understand why people have to have an opinion on art Mm. it's i you know like i even even you know the other day i i I was listening to people bitch about the new quentin tarantino movie and it's like dude you didn't make this (laughs) you don't have any part in this this isn't like this isn't something that you had a you had a part of, or you, you had any real genuine, like interest in. So why, why, why have an opinion? You either just enjoy it or just don't listen to it. I, I don't know. I, I feel that way about music and just art in general to where, you know, like it or just don't like it. I, you know, I, maybe, maybe a lot of that stems from the fact that I had to take a, you know, I I had to come out swinging, and I had to deal with some of the some of the BS that comes along with being the second guy. But uh, you know, I think that it's it's made me a uh, at least uh, hopefully you know a more accepting person to uh, to like listening to new stuff or seeing new stuff. You know. Yeah, but I think you're you're, you're just. I think you're a normal person like myself. It's if I like it, I like it. If I if I like it, I'll say I like it. But if I don't like it, well, I'm not going to get online and post about how much I hate it because that's yeah, it's pointless. It's not it's not gaining yeah. any power behind it. But unfortunately, some people want to justify their existence, and if justifying their existence means shitting on another artist, unfortunately, that's what they do. Um, I I think the pressure you would have come into the band would have been immense. Um, and I do think that self-titled album is really, really good for what the band was doing. I do think you went through a very difficult time when suddenly the whole band kind of left you, though. That would have been very difficult. Yeah. Um, what, it was hard. Yeah, what happened, um, or what can you say? And then at any stage did you think... All right, well, maybe this is just maybe this thing needs to stay dead, and I'll try a different band. I mean, so I mean, I can I can I can kind of walk you through a little bit of it. It it was it was hard. It was it was hard. 
Chris left because he was ready to get off the road. You know, he was he was exhausted from the amount of touring that we were doing. Um, he had essentially, I think he might have even proposed to his uh, current wife uh, at the time too. So, you know, it was just time for him to get off the road and. Uh, you know, Brent had basically said the same thing. Um, and it was kind of just down to, uh, Brian and, uh, Evan and I, and, um, Brian and I, you know, for quite some time had, uh, I don't want to. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be too confrontational about this. I, yeah. it's, I, I try not to, I, I try to, I try to avoid, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, um, Ryan and I had basically wore thin with, with that. And it, it, it was, it was exhausting a little bit working with him. And, um, you know, I, Ryan brought up, uh, why don't we, you know, move on without him? And, you know, at the time I was really reluctant, uh, because Evan's an original member, you know, mm. or at least as close to an original member. I can't ever get a straight answer on that as, uh, as there could be. And it, it's hard, man. It was, it was hard for me to agree with him, but, you know, inevitably I agreed with him because, you know, I thought that Ryan and I could make it work. And, you know, so we decided to move on without him. And, um, you know, within a few months, Ryan had gotten real serious with his, his now wife and uh, decided that it was, it was time for him to get off the road. And, you know, that kind of just left me going like, fuck, okay, I guess, you know, this is, what it is, but you know, I wasn't ready to be done. I, I'm not, I'm not going to quit after I put all this effort into something and then, you know, just like say, well, you know, they left and it is what it is. It's like any other job, you know, you just find somebody new. Mm. Why, you know, why, why do, why, why does, as a musician, why do you have to stick with the same guys the entire time? Or it's just, you know, it's, it's not the same deal. You know, it is what it is. You gotta, it's time to, it's time to break up that, you know, that, that sort of thought process to me has never made sense. No. Know? And I, I also think that people need to re- remember that people evolve, people change their lives, evolve their lives change. So, of course, why wouldn't a band evolve and change its members from time to time when necessary? It's not, it is very hard for four or five people to stay in a van together consistently for 10 years. There will come a time when, unfortunately, they don't hate each other, but things are just going to have to change for the better of themselves and for the music. Yeah. I, you know, it, I, I don't have any hard feelings against, those guys, especially, you know, at this point, 
I've, you know, I've done a lot of soul searching myself and if anybody has a right to be frustrated and, you know, have an opinion, uh, it's, it's Evan, you know, Evan was a, was an integral member of the band since the beginning. He was the main songwriter and it was basically just like, well, you know, you're tough to work with. So we're just going to blow this whole thing up. And, you know, I, looking back on it, I, I, I've, I've tried to, uh, amend with the guy and I don't blame him that he has no interest in, in, uh, you know, mending wounds with me or anything like that. So, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's tough. It's, it's hard, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I just have to come to accept it that sometimes people just aren't gonna, aren't gonna like you, you know, and, um, that's unfortunately I guess part I of just life. Don't like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but then to say that you didn't, you know, pick things up and come out swinging would be an understatement because you, that, that, 2014 album we are violent people by nature oh like that that is an album that you can see that you know you might have been knocked down for a round but you were back up and you were ready to just go fucking full tilt that album really i think in many ways felt like a middle finger to any doubters that thought this band's dead this band's been dead for a while um, what did it feel like for you to, despite all these trials and tribulations to be going through, not only with joining the band, but then kind of being left with the band? Um, how did that feel getting that album out? It felt awesome. It was, it was so stressful, just like basically trying to rebuild that I needed that outlet and I needed to, I needed to tour full time. And, you know, I found that at the time I found a group of guys, John Winters, who still to this day is in the band with me. Um, you know, he, he toured, he started touring on, on right, you know, right when that CD released and basically hasn't looked back since. And it just felt awesome, man. It felt so good to just say, you know, I'm not giving up. I'm not, this isn't, this isn't a joke to me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking this. This isn't a cash grab. This isn't, you know, this isn't anything other than I've put everything into this. I'm not quitting on it. Hmm. It's not, it's not fair to me personally to just give up because, you know, everybody else did. And, uh, what felt like, you know, at least at one point in time, the world did. And so I just said, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm I'm going to get some help from some guys and I'm going to try to write the, the the heaviest record that I possibly can. And I'm going to, I'm going to put the heaviest stuff that I personally can onto it. And, uh, I'm just going to go with it. And it, it, I think it worked out and I felt so good about it. Oh, it is fucking, oh, it's an immense album in, in, in the game. I, I still, still jam that one today you know on a regular basis and then then you guys did songs song for the sick which i love as well yeah um but the most interesting thing was you guys went self you know independent um yeah you kind of mentioned it earlier you know you got got off the label 
you know, management, all of this jazz. Um, was it a case of doing that album independently about having a bit of self-control and a bit of, you know, your own power on the process or was things just with the label not working out and going independent was better? I mean, that record label, I don't even know if it's a record label anymore. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it is. Um, No. Yeah. I, as soon as we were off, I I basically just wiped my hands of it. Hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, but, the the support that we were getting from from that label was you know not good and um we weren't ever seeing any sort of revenue checks for anything that we were putting out so I was you know I was going like where is our money going where you know where what are we doing wrong to not you know get any of this support that we're seeing some of these bands getting so finally it was just almost kind of like you know honestly it was almost kind of like a like a rage quit where just one night i just said you know what fuck it i want to do it myself and uh i talked to you know at the time um a very close still very close friend of mine who who works in the industry and um you know, I got off of our record label and, uh, we still had a, we, you know, we still had a little bit of time left on it. It got worked out to where we could, we could leave that label and, um, you know, basically just went and did it myself. And, um, it's difficult, you know, you lose some things in that process that I wasn't really in tune with. Like, uh, I didn't know about, the you know the uh, publishing agents or anything like that at the time i didn't i you know i don't know how to get us in the magazines and stuff like that so that that first record was a severe trial process but uh i think it really worked out because you know we've made more off that one record than i've ever made on anything that i've ever been on combined and um, it just, you know, it feels good. It feels good to, to say that, like, I did this, you know, like mm-hmm. I did this myself. This is me doing this. And, you know, I, I worked my ass off on it and, you know, hourly wage, you know, I, I paid myself off for those hourly, for that hourly wage, basically. Whereas, you know, in the past it was like, you know, you have three or four guys with their hands in the band going like, Hey, you should do this. No, I think you should do this. You should probably do this. And you know, that stuff gets stressful when you got all these, all these people telling you what to do when, you know, they're trying to make a buck off you too. You know, everybody's trying to make a dollar. And, um, we took a lot of bad tours and stuff like that because we wanted to, uh, make everybody happy. And uh, it got to the point where I just said, dude, we need to make ourselves happy, you know? We need to be able to make, like, it not necessarily a livable wage, but at least, like, something off of being a musician and and taking time out of our lives. You know, John at the time was 20, 27, 28, with a, with a 
a master's degree in uh, audio engineering. He was working for the Seattle Symphony, I think, at the time, making, you know, $75 an hour or something like that, and then just basically dropping everything and going like, well, let's see what happens on this tour. You know, so it's like I can't I can't give him seventy five dollars an hour, but I need to give him something because mm. that's sort of a life a lifestyle. It, it, you know, you have to you have to somewhat be able to live up to it when you're gone for six eight months of the year. You know, you have to entice them some way. Yeah, but you, you guys you guys have from there, you know, going independent and you know doing your own management. You know, you've learned along the way, but also it seems like now you're a smarter band with touring. You know, you, you seem to be, you know, lately the tours that you're, pub, you know, promoting that you're on are really good tours. Like they're quite, you know, stacked shows. Um, is yeah. is that something that you're very aware of as well, that you don't you don't want to just make the same mistakes of touring for the sake of fucking touring? Absolutely. I mean, I, this is something that young bands should learn early. And I understand the, the temptation is there to commit to touring just to tour. But the reality is a lot of the time that is what kills your band hmm. is touring to tour because you absolutely burn yourself out. You burn yourself out emotionally and especially financially. So at this point, granted, we're still not getting the tours that, you know, I would love to be on, but at least we're getting the offers to tour. You know, uh, we did one this uh, last fall with uh, Ingested and Enterprise Earth and Body Snatchers. That was a great tour. It's like a perfect deathcore tour, you know, deathcore slam tour. It makes sense for us. Just going out to just tour, you know, doing uh, dead-end headlining shows and stuff like that where you're playing with uh, you and four locals to basically their buddies, to me, is just like, man, that's, that's a waste of time, you know? Especially if you've played those markets a ton. You're not learning anything. You're not, like, you're not seeing anything new. So what's the point of doing it? Hmm. You know, we got to... We actually have a uh, we have a, a fall tour coming up this this fall where we're headlining Europe uh, with a Cranius, um, uh, you know, and it's it's just like it's perfect, you know. It's 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 a fucking it's an awesome tour for us, and uh, I dude, I couldn't I couldn't be happier about it because it's like it's a good slam tour. They fucking kill. Um, you know, we, we dig them, you know, we dig necrotted. Sorry. I should, I should have mentioned them too. Um, you know, so it, 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 it just works and, you know, they're doing good stuff over in Europe right now. So it makes sense. Plus we just love being over in Europe. You know, you learn new shit, you see new shit. It's exciting, you know, so pick and choose your tours, make sure that they're financially sound, you know, even if you're not going to make a ton of money on the tour, at least try to break even, man. Because just going out to to do a tour with, you know, 
30 to 50 people in the crowd, it's going to, it's going to kill your will to do it mm. over the long haul. You know, it, at least everybody that I've ever known that's, that's toured and quit. That's always the same thing, man. I'm just tired of doing it. I can't, I can't afford to do it anymore. I can't, you know, I, I get sick of playing these burned out shows that just aren't, you know, aren't doing anything for us. Uh, so it just, it, Take your time, you know. Yeah, yeah you've, got come. To, you've got to, you know, as you said, enjoy it. Um, and you've got yeah. to make it worth your while. Um, you've got to be smarter as well, as you said. Um, one exciting thing for fans um, that I definitely want to touch on is the new EP, Downcast, which comes out October 18th. Now, first thing, this this kind of rumour mill of it, kind of happening and been going on for quite a while and felt like you were obviously coming across hurdle after hurdle to not get it finished or that's what it looked like from the outside it's finally finished it's finally getting out um what can you talk about getting it finished was there anything going on and then the other part was you're doing something very unique in the death core game that you're releasing it um as you know, the standalone, but if you get it on the vinyl, or I believe it's just the vinyl, you also get all the songs instrumentally. So kind of yep. two sides to that question, you know, what was going on in the build-up to getting it done? Why did it take so much time? And then what's the thought behind the instrumental side of the release? Well, to, okay, so first to touch on uh, the the time uh, between between records, um, along with being a independent band, uh, a lot of people don't realize when you're signed to a record label, you, you, you know, you're basically assigned to fulfill a certain agreement of records, you know, per, per time period. So, you know, there's like, hmm. generally speaking, there's usually a year to two year album cycle. And within that time, you have to have another, another record ready to go, ready to, you know, ready to push out. And I don't like that shit. I don't like being told like, this is what you have to do. You have to do it right now. Or you have, you have a time, a deadline when you got to do it. I, you know, John, John has a full-time job. I have a full-time job, uh, when we're at home. So we have to make time to be able to do that sort of stuff and still be able to put out music. That's, you know, good. So with, with that, you know, with the, when we decided to go uh, DIY, it also came with the ability to say like, dude, let's not put a time on this. Let's just do what we're going to do. You know, it's going to come out great. I'm, you know, let's just be happy with our product. Let's take our time with it. So it's, uh, it makes it a lot easier to do stuff like that. Um, when it, it makes it a lot easier to come out with it, with what I feel like is, an excellent product when you, when you have time and you can say like, don't worry about it. We'll come back to it. We have time, you know, let's, let's just, you know, we'll get there when we get there. Um, I can't, I can't remember, uh, what the rest of the, uh, the question was though. Um, the other part of the question is, um, why release it with instrumental? You know, it's quite a, quite an interesting way of doing things because not a lot of bands, think that way so obviously there's a a very unique thought process behind that and i think it's a really good thought process 
So I, two, two, this is a two, two part question or two part answer. First part. Um, I think that, uh, I think, you know, a lot of people would appreciate the music without listening to somebody scream over it. It's just, you know, bottom line, some people aren't interested in death metal vocals. It's, it's fine. I get it. So, you know, you can get some instrumentation shit out of, out of listening to just an instrumental record that you wouldn't get from like listening to like just a slam and brutal death metal record with a guy farting over it the whole time, you know? <laughs> so give, give somebody a chance to, to listen to it and maybe learn how to play drums on it easier or learn how to play guitar riffs on it easier. Or if you're a vocalist, you could also, uh, you know, do vocals over it with, uh, with, uh, just the instrumental tracks. So you don't have to, you know, we get tons of YouTube uh, fans and stuff like that. They'll do covers and you can hear me in the background. So let's get, let's kill the, the vocals and you can, uh, you can just uh, do it, uh, you know, instrumental over, over, uh, over the instrumental tracks. And it, it, I think it sounds cooler. Um, we started doing it on the last record uh, because, you know, I, I, first of all, I don't, think i've ever heard of a of a metal band doing it so i don't want to toot my own horn but i think that we we started something new that i i could see becoming something pretty cool in the long run and uh second of all you know we're a diy band uh, you have to kind of think think smart when you're trying to make money and uh let's be honest you know it's a second revenue generator mm. um eventually we, we'll put out uh, a streamable version of the instrumentals too. So that'll be more streaming revenue that will come out. Um, and also, uh, you know, when you listen to like football games or, uh, you know, like any sports, any sort of sports channels or something like that, they always have in and out music and stuff like that. And, you know, you can maybe get lucky and get some sort of, uh, revenue stream through, you know, uh, uh, a sports station or something like that using your instrumental tracks as like intro and outro music for like a, like a sports columnist or something like that. Ooh, fuck yeah. Yeah. That'd be sick. Bit of a, bit of a breakdown with blast beats going on, on, um, ESPN Monday night football. That'd be sick. I could see yeah. Let's yeah, get it. See, Let's get it happening. I, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm I'm excited for this EP. It's going to be, from what I've already heard, it's yeah, it's yeah. I think we're in for some good times. Anyone that's a fan of the band or even just fan of you know heavy fucking music is going to enjoy it. And kind of got two last questions before I let you get back to reality. Um, and one is well, both are kind of we've loosely touched on. One is um, in heavy music, a lot of people like to tag or categorize music so you know a lot of people will just always say that i declare war is deathcore um has that ever annoyed you and then do you ever think that has deterred people from checking you out because i think if people really listen to the music i don't think it's just deathcore i think there's a bit of everything there but people like to throw that tag there to make it easier for themselves to you know categorize it yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I guess it, I guess that that sort of stuff kind of bothers me, but, uh, you know, it kind of goes back into what I was saying. It's just kind of like, who cares? You know, mm-hmm. I, why, why let that sort of stuff really make your opinion, uh, why, why, why make that, you know, why allow that to make your opinion? Um, I know a lot of people, uh, don't listen to stuff because of a genre. And I, I just think that that's, it's gotta be exhausting, man. Mm. You know, to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from one thing because, you know, it has, it has a connotation to it. And to me, it's just stupid, you know, but, uh, if that's what you want to do, man, you know, more power to you. I just feel like you're missing out on so much good music when you, uh, when you let a, uh, just a genre dictate your opinion on music, you know, and it's, and it's so dumb to this point, you know, Diarda's murder is going on tour with cannibal corpse. Yeah. This year. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how much more, you know, death metal, death core, of a tour it could get, you know, those are the two, at least right now, those are the two kings of their perspective genres. And, you know, if, if you don't want, if, if, if you're just going to fucking leave before one band, you're basically, you're, you're paying for something that you're just going to like, not see it's it's a waste of money to me you know um not to go back to thinking about money all the time but like it's just dumb to me you know sit and listen to it you might find out you fucking like it man it's yeah ridiculous it is and and it is just weird you know some people are very closed-minded and you know as you said more power to them but i think you're really missing out on something you know there could be it's with any genre um, that people want to call things. You might be missing out on a really good thrash band, but you say you hate thrash, but there could be a band in there that once you hear it, you go, fuck, yes. Um, so I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I think people like the power of tagging things. Um, and I say to anyone who says, oh, Deathcore's really bad, I go, well, have you actually listened to it? Because there's a lot of bands in there that I think you'll find something in. Um, and, you know... It's unfortunate people avoid it. Um, now the yeah, last, yeah, go. Just real quick, too. I, I mean, it's such a dumb thing to say in the first place because you can't deny the power of you know a band like Beneath the Massacre or Ion Dissonance or something like that, and, and say like, oh man, you know, Deathcore is dumb. It's like, dude, those are Deathcore bands, and those <laughs> bands are two of the heaviest bands of all time. You know what I mean? Like. You're you're missing out so much, especially as a fan of extreme music, if you're not listening to those two bands just because they're a deathcore band. You know what I mean? Well, it's the same with people that say they don't like deathcore, and you say, but you say you like despised icon. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're you know they're a deathcore band. Um, it's yeah. just it's just weird. Um, so the yeah. last thing I kind of want to ask you before we look to wrap things up is. You know, you're a band now and you're a person who's really using the industry uh, to their advantage. And I think it's the way it needs to be done. But, you know, do you see 
this whole industry of streaming and stuff in a good way or do you see it in a way that you have to learn to adapt as a band nowadays? There's no way around it. There's no way that you're not going to, you're not going to beat the system. It's, Mm. it's bigger than any one band. So unless every band on the fucking planet decides we're going to take all of our music off of streaming platforms and we're just going to go back to physical media, there is absolutely no way of getting around it. You are going to have to stream. Tool is streaming their records now. They were the final holdout. It's official. Mm. Physical media is dead. We collect vinyl because we enjoy to collect. I collect vinyl. I collect vinyl and I collect tape. The reason why I collect that is because I like the way it sounds. I like I like having physical media on me. Not everybody likes doing that shit. Plus, it's just so much easier to have, you know, 500, uh, 500 records sitting on your phone at any time. Uh, instead of having, you know, like 25 CDs taking up space in your car, you have, you know, 500 records on your phone. So you got to evolve or die, man. And at this point, if, uh, if that means, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta put all of our stuff on Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that. then that's going to be what I got to do, you know? Mm. Yeah, it is. It's got to evolve. Yeah, spot on. You, you know, unfortunately, times have changed, but hey, you you can't do anything about it. You just got to change with it, um, and that's the right way of approaching it. And I think any band listening, um, or anyone that's a fan of music and doesn't like it, I think they need to learn that. You know, you just have to accept that's the way it is. Um, as you said, Tool are finally there, so I think that means everyone's there now. Um, yeah. Now, what I do, Jamie, to wrap things up, we're just gonna. Um, get a bit lighter here we're going to do a thing i call pick your poison now what i do here is at the end of every chat we let listeners kind of know what makes you tick so what i do is i give you two options and you pick your favorite of the two you don't need to justify your choice but it just lets people know that if they were hanging out with jamie what's his preference okay okay yeah all right now I also, none, I never said these are easy. Some might be hard. Would you rather a pizza or a burger? A burger. Okay. Would you rather ribs or brisket? Oh, dude. Brisket. Okay. Oh, man, that was tough. Would you rather a soft taco or a hard taco? Hard taco. Would you rather smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? As a kid, I just said crunchy, but I'm a smooth guy now. Okay. Would you rather cook at home or dine out? I cook at home. Okay. Do you want to watch a movie at the cinema or at the comfort of your couch? I still appreciate going to a movie theater. Nice. Um, would you rather go to the beach or go to the snow? I have both where I'm from, so um, I would probably say I dig the snow. Okay. You a cat or a dog person? 
dog. Yeah. Uh, Terminator or Predator? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think that Terminator Two is the greatest action movie of all time. So I would say Terminator. Uh, Rambo or Rocky? Uh, Rocky. Rocky. Even though Rambo was filmed, the first uh, Rambo movie was filmed in Oregon, where I'm from. Um, Freddy or Jason? Freddy. South Park or Simpsons? South Park. Uh, Anchorman or Step Brothers? Step Brothers. Okay. Slayer or Pantera? Pantera. Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Suicide Silence or White Zom- uh, Whitechapel? Those are two. I have, I have friends in both of those bands. Um, uh, Whitechapel. Okay. Gun to my head. Yeah. Uh, Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie? Uh, I mean, what era? <laughs> uh, mm. I would probably. It's a bit hard. Uh, I would probably. I I would probably still say Marilyn Manson. Okay, now last few. Do you prefer stage dives or mic grabs? Stage grabs. Uh, when you go to a show, do you watch it from the middle of the mosh pit or up by the sound booth? Uh, it's far away from the mosh pit as physically possible. <laughs> You're the same as so me. Sound, is, is sound booth uh, there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, would you prefer to tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Tour. And the last one, which I kind of think I already know, going to know the answer. Would you prefer to own an album on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Uh, vinyl. Bang. Um, Jamie, we are fucking done. Man, thank you, dude. Yeah. Really, really, really appreciate that, man. Yeah, thank you for letting me do this, man. This is uh this is cool. Dig it. You're an absolute legend. Um I'll be in touch and um I'll speak to you soon. All right, take care.
So that was my chat with Jamie from I Declare War. And at the end there, you heard the band's song Grieve for No One, which is from their upcoming EP titled Downcast. That EP comes out October 18th. Make sure you check that out. We also heard the song Fat Fuck from the band's album Songs for the Sick. And the last song you heard there was Noose, which is from the album We Are Violent People by Nature. So this is the time of the show, the part of the show where I ask you guys to get behind and support the artists that's been on the show or artists we have on the show. So if you enjoyed the conversation with Jamie or you enjoyed the music you heard there at the end, make sure you get online, get into this discography, get on eBay, buy a CD, buy a t-shirt, buy a vinyl. If you're somewhere where the band's touring, get out buy a ticket, show some support, support Jamie and the band and help this band do what they do. Also need to take another moment to say thank you again, Jamie, for the absolute outstanding conversation and chat. Thank you so much, dude. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 82 done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.